Hello, and thank you for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the ACFE's Fraud Talk podcast. My name is Mason Wilder. I'm a senior research specialist in the research department at the ACFE, and I'm joined today by Kirby Plessis, who is the founder and CEO of the Plessis Experts Network, and I'll let her explain a little bit more about her company. Thank you. So my company, we basically provide training and investigative services to federal, state, government, law enforcement, intelligence, but also large corporations. And we cover everything from fraud to drug laundering, things like that. Anything that basically investigative-wide, you might need to do research on the internet for. We specialize in OSINT. And that's open source intelligence for those of you who are not familiar with that. And uh, I've had the pleasure of Uh, working with Kirby in the past and tapping into some of her expertise on tracing cryptocurrencies and general open source intelligence things. And so she was my first choice to talk about the topic today, which is NFTs or non-fungible tokens, uh, which have just been absolutely taking the world by storm. And you've probably seen a million headlines about them in the last couple of weeks or uh, so far this year in 2021. And so we wanted to talk about what they are and uh, some of the potential fraud implications associated with this technology that's just kind of, you know, taking the world by storm recently. Before we really get into it, I just wanted to run down some of the recent headlines that have caught my attention and made me think this it would be something worth talking about. Uh, musician Grimes's uh, debut NFT auction generates 5.8 million in 20 minutes. Electronic music pioneer Aphex Twin sells NFT for 127,000 in Ether. NFT auction celebrating NFL Rob, star Rob Gronkowski drives 1.8 million in sales. Crypto user offers 100K for Elon Musk's tweet on proposed NFT. Rock band Kings of Leon will release new album as an NFT, making it a digital collector's item. Beeple NFT auction closes at record setting 69.3 million. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey's first tweet NFT sells for 2.9 million. New York Times raises 500,000 for charity in NFT column sale. Sophia the Robot created an NFT artwork and sold it for almost 700k. And last but not least, New York City man sells fart for $85 cashing in on NFT craze. So that's how crazy these things are going and why we're going to be talking about it. Absolutely. And I think that one of the reasons that you did reach out to me for the NFTs is because I am also an artist. And as an artist, that is basically an NFT is a non-fungible token, meaning something unique that you can sell. But these we're talking about specifically selling it via cryptocurrency. And that'll be generally artwork, um, maybe original music or something that can be considered rare and individual, but yet also digital or at least have a digital um, cross section. Yeah. And so thanks for pointing that out. I forgot to mention that. I uh, This idea came from me remembering seeing Kirby tweet about going on Twitch to do some live streaming of uh, some uh, creating art. I don't, I don't remember if it was painting or I think it was painting. Was that it? Was it painting? Probably digital art. I've been using okay. uh, Procreate and Blender a lot lately. 
Okay, so yeah, that uh, this you know convergence of uh, expertise and um, you know involvement with art just made her the perfect candidate, uh, especially since I knew how great and knowledgeable she was about cryptocurrencies. So, you know, you already talked a little bit about its non-fungible tokens and a unique thing. You you gave me a really good analogy last time we talked about like Russian dolls for digital currency versus virtual currency versus cryptocurrencies. Do you got a nice like bumper sticker style uh, analogy for what is an NFT? You know, um, I don't think that I have quite thought through any kind of analogy yet just yet, but um, I definitely have been working with a lot of the artists locally that I know about dealing, you know, how they can understand these NFTs. And a lot of them don't even come from um, a technology background. So we have been working through different ways to explain what an NFT is. Besides just the definitions and, and what they are, Kirby, why why would somebody buy an NFT? Okay, so an NFT, um, I think the main driver for purchasing NFTs at the moment is to flip them. It's the gold rush mentality at the moment. If NFTs are hot and you buy an NFT at a smaller rate, you can immediately flip. Most of these NFT platforms will let you immediately relist the NFT right at the moment that you purchase it. So flipping them is a big deal right now. The other thing would be sometimes for bragging rights or even just to support your favorite artist. But of course, there's also fraud reasons. Yeah. And uh, so how do people buy or acquire NFTs? You mentioned uh, NFT marketplace. Can you talk about the the process for acquiring these or selling? Sure. Okay. So I'll, I'll start on the selling side. And if an artist wants to create an NFT, the first thing they do is they get some uh, Ethereum usually from something like Coinbase and you lo- you load up your MetaMask wallet, you connect to one of the marketplaces. There's a bunch of marketplaces out there and with a, kind of a varying am- amount of what whether or not they do any due diligence as to whether you really own what you're going to try and sell as an NFT. So some of the most um, popular ones will of course do a little bit more work on trying to identify who you are. And that would be something like Nifty Gateway or Maker's Place, Rarible, OpenSea.io or Mintable. So those are some of the more popular ones. There's a lot of them out there right now. More any minute. But anyway, so you, you get your MetaMask wallet, you connect it to one of these, and then as an artist, you, you get your digital product, you're going to upload it, and you're going to pay what's called the gas fee. This is basically your transfer fee to bind it to your Ethereum. And those gas fees, um, they vary in price as well. So it may cost you $160 to list your piece of artwork into one of these marketplaces. Once you have it listed and bound, you can actually sell it across multiple marketplaces at once, even though it, it exists only at one piece. So if, for example, you listed it on, on Rarible and on OpenSea at the same time, if it's sold on OpenSea, then you no longer are able to list it on Rarible as yourself. However, the person who bought it at OpenSea can then flip it and sell it across multiple marketplaces as well. One of the things that's built into this as well is when it does get flipped and resold, the original originating artist will get a percentage back. So that's another thing that makes artists really want to um, put content, put stuff into uh, digital NFTs. On the purchasing side, if you're just looking to purchase NFTs, you're just going to go, you're going to also, again, get a, a Bitcoin or not Bitcoin, Ethereum generally account on MetaMask. So you're probably gonna have to load it via Coinbase or something, but MetaMask is the, the go-to wallet right now. And you then connect that to one of these marketplaces, and then you can start to bid on the different um, NFTs. 
And so that's kind of ultimately how the value of these NFTs is determined is through like the bidding process and auctioning, right? Mostly. There's, there are different ways to sell them. Some of them are not auctions. Some of them are like what they call open editions, where somebody might say, I'm going to list you know, 2000 individual NFTs, and this is an open edition. And as soon as they sell out, but they're all sold at this one price, and then people can flip from that point, and it becomes an auction. So there are a couple of ways that they go. But in general, I guess, normally, it ends up in kind of an auction style selling marketplace at the end. You know, I wanted to talk about some of the characteristics of the uh, the kind of marketplace, not necessarily specific marketplaces like OpenSea or Rarible, but just the overall market for NFTs right now. Uh, some of the characteristics that make it uh, vulnerable to fraud, and you know, maybe drawing some parallels uh, that from other markets or things like you know the cryptocurrency market in general or art markets and and things like that. I would say you know the the main thing has to be that it's just so super speculative right now. Yes, it definitely parallels um, cryptocurrency in general with the with that the price for speculation is what drives up the price or drives down the price. In general, it is tied to a, a type of crypto coin. So there's only, you know, I don't think that it'll ever drop down to something is, is worth zero because you're already tied to a bit of cryptocurrency. But it you know, 69 million, that that price for Beeple's work, even he admits now that that this is a gold rush and it's somewhat ridiculous. Is there uh, the same kind of regulatory or lack of regulation issues that cryptocurrencies were dealing with maybe a couple of years ago? Yes, I think that I think it very much mirrors cryptocurrency. So while I mean, definitely lack of regulation is definitely an issue. I think as far as regulations go, pretty much you'd have to deal with exactly what the regulations are for the cryptocurrency right now. That's it. That's how the regulations are working. Is there going to be more on this? Um, because we're talking about like art market and the art markets just in general can be ridiculous without NFT, right? right? A banana on a wall can sell for $150,000. So how much regulation is going to be there in the future compared to that? I'm not sure. I don't know that there's going to be any more regulation than what the cryptocurrency gets regulated. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, one of the biggest questions for NFTs is like intellectual property rights or copyright, um, you know, preservation of copyright and digital rights and everything like that, which uh, I think we're probably going to have to wait on some court cases to establish some precedents on that. Um, I'd agree with you there. Um, one of the things that going along with this is that those marketplaces are trying to deal with that already. So one of the things they do is when you upload your art, they do say that you would retain your copyright even when you sold your digital piece of uh, artwork. However, that's if the artist is the right person who actually uploaded the art in the first place. So there have already been cases where, where people have uploaded other people's artwork on a platform and whether or not they claim it to be the artist or if they're just claiming that it's theirs in the first place, maybe they modified it a little bit who really owns the art, generally the copyright stays with the actual artist, whether they uploaded as an NFT or not. And so now how do you how do you find out if your art was uploaded as an NFT and sold via one of these marketplaces? Nope, the criminal is not going to alert you. So, I mean, there's a lot of issues with that as well. Right. And uh, as, as far as I can tell, it's not even necessarily clear whether that would, whether it would be illegal 
to create a digital image of somebody else's artwork and sell it as an NFT without any intellectual property rights or copyrights, you know, as part of the smart contract. Um, like if I just, if I took a photo of the Mona Lisa in the Louvre and uploaded it as an NFT, like that wouldn't necessarily be illegal or infringing upon the, the copyrights or digital image rights of Leonardo da Vinci, not like he's going to take me to court. Right. But copyright only lasts so long anyway. So that would be an example where it's out of copyright. But imagine if you went to Art Basel in Miami and you started taking pictures and uploading those pictures into these artists who are still alive and still hold their copyrights and their trademarks. They definitely they would have a little bit of legal recourse. The question is, how do you get back that NFT? And I think that each of the platforms is struggling with that a little bit. So if somebody sells uh, an NFT, the NFT, like I said, doesn't have to stay on the same platform. It can then move to different platforms. Also, in, as is the case with cryptocurrency, when the cryptocurrency leaves one wallet and goes to another, it is you don't get to reach back and pull it back like a bank account, right? There's You have to follow it in the kind of the same way you do with cryptocurrency. Can you talk about how... Like if, if you're noticing parallels or seeing the same kind of thing about like how fast things are moving with the NFTs and how when there's, you know, a, a market like this or when there's a technology like this that's moving so fast, how that creates vulnerabilities for incorporating that into fraud scheme prompts or fraud schemes like directly tied to the technology? Sure. So NFTs really started like years ago, right? A couple of years ago, 2017, 2018. But it, just this year, have they really picked up speed? And I would say the fall of 2020 is when the hype started, but it really came to this fever pitch in like January, February, and now March. So what happens when you see something create a fever pitch like that is a lot of people, especially when there's a lot of money involved, a lot of people want to jump in. So that's where the opportunity comes for fraudsters to either create their own NFT companies and then maybe load up with Ethereum, get people to maybe preload into the marketplace that they create and then close it down as an exit scam, for example, or pretend to be the guide to help somebody create an NFT, for example, to create some, you know, they can contact these artists and say, hey, I'll help you create these NFTs. And maybe at that point, they do create the NFTs, um, but then they take a larger uh, percentage than, you know, is warranted, or maybe they even hijack and take over the NFT account. Um, that could be something where even just the you know password um, sharing of different things. When somebody one website gets breached, somebody else can maybe get into your NFT account because you should be sharing passwords and just hijack accounts like that. There's so many different opportunities, and when something becomes the hype, that's when the fraudsters, of course, jump on it. And definitely, NFT is is the hype right now. Yeah, and this is certainly just my opinion but based on that some of the sampling of headlines that that i've seen so far i just i feel like some of the people throwing massive amounts of money into this arena just don't fully understand the technology because even after having done a somewhat significant amount of research i'm still not like i don't totally understand it so it just it feels like it's the hot thing. And so people with a bunch of money lying around are just like fear of missing out. Let me just throw some money at this while it's hot. And, um, you know, that, that generally 
there are going to be lots of people willing to uh, try and scam their way into some of that money. Absolutely. Um, you'll find that not only people throwing their money in and, and buying these, but a lot of people throwing their NFT art in, creating artwork. So again, we, you know, you mentioned that headline where Jack Dorsey of Twitter sold the first tweet, right? Every person who wants to create something, they can, you know, they can load anything. The New Yorker who sold his fart, right? You can load anything as an NFT. And then what, what I think is going to happen, what I think is happening right now is you have these big name celebrities who have a lot of PR behind them, throwing stuff as NFTs, selling them for huge money. But you got to remember that they, they didn't just loaded as an NFT and happened to sell. There was a PR machine behind it to create this hype. Well, now a lot of people are loading stuff into as an NFTs and they don't have that PR machine. And so that's where I think a lot of people, will they lose out? They're going to, most of the artists are going to lose out a, a little bit of time and a little bit of, um, a little bit of money on those gas fees, but it's when the scammers come in and, and figure out a way to, to be the middleman or to create their own NFT market. Like we said, with an exit scam or that sort of thing, that's where the real losses are going to start to happen, I think. Yeah. And I think there's probably going to be some investment scams similar to uh, the varieties of ICO scams um, or initial coin offering scams with cryptocurrencies to where, you know, like get in on the ground floor of this, you know, wonderful new service related to bundling NFTs and in like fractionalization of NFT ownership by a share of our fund that invests in NFTs or whatever that turn out to be either pump and dump or just exit scams. Um, but one thing that is one of the harder things for me to wrap my head around in this kind of conversation is talk about the like to if you can the tokenization of like a physical object. So so in some cases you kind of are buying the physical object. Now there's a sock company and I don't remember the name of it. Maybe later we can get that added to the show notes. But there's a sock company that sold socks, limited socks as NFTs. What would happen is you'd buy this NFT and then you could flip the NFT if you want to, or you could trade it in for the socks. And the NFTs ended up going up above four thousand dollars per pair of socks. Some of the people did switch, flip it, and actually get their socks. So now they have a $4,000 pair of socks, which hopefully they don't wear to the, or hopefully they don't put in the dryer and lose some of those socks. Right. Um, but <laughs> there is a way you can do that, but you can also, you know, and this is something that's a huge discussion amongst artists is if you, if you have a piece of art, that's a physical piece of art, you could bind an NFT to it and make that the contract. And when you sell the NFT, then the person who has the NFT actually owns the art and that actually protects the provenance of the art because having the provenance through a blockchain, should someone in 200 years steal it and try to hide it, theoretically in two years, 200 years time, you know, we'll have these smartphones or something better, maybe smart eyeballs, I don't know, where you can read who owns it just by looking at the piece of art. And that's something that people could look up even now, a QR code, um, you know, or, or take a picture of some art and have image recognition and maybe tie that to the blockchain and say, okay, this is owned by this, you know, this person and here's its path through its history. So that scenario, let's say you create a sculpture, you do a tokenized NFT for the provenance of, you know, that sculpture's ownership, mm -hmm. but what is there anything that would stop somebody from making multiple NFTs that are supposedly tied to that one single physical object? You can make multiple editions of things. I don't think that it would work to tie it to one single 
object. Maybe that would be the case where you had mentioned before where somebody does fractionalization, kind of like the scam back in the day where people would buy a one foot by one foot piece of plot of land in Scotland, you know, um, but um, I don't know that, I don't know that it's possible. Then again, I don't know that it won't happen. Yeah, um, I think that's going to be something critical for people trying to get into NFTs is to resist the urge to just like jump in and and buy something quick um, just to to be part of the game, so to speak. Right. Um, you're going to want to really scrutinize exactly what you're getting with one of these digital tokens in terms of do you have it like copyright or any intellectual property rights is that what you're purchasing are you also purchasing a physical object is it uh you know is the creator specifying that this is a limited edition one of a kind thing or does it not say anything about it uh because i just i envision people not paying attention to that buying an nft thinking they've got the only version of this one nft and paying a lot of money for it. And then that creator really is selling a bunch more duplicate NFTs and that initial purchaser's value just tanking. Right. And I have two other possible fraud cases for you with when we talk about these um, NFTs. So of course, one of them would be, of course, the money laundering example. So imagine, you know, a semi-famous artist, he gets a chance where he sees these big headlines. If his name ends up in those big headlines, the rest of his art goes up in price as well. So maybe somebody approaches him and says, we can make that happen for you. You list this as an NFT. We're going to give you that headline, but we want a cutback of that money because they are actually going to have their buyer put the money in. And then they basically are going to launder their money through that NFT. Right. That, that's a possibility. And then the artist, of course, is wants he just wants his name to be big. So he's basically a money mule in a sort of in a way. Another example would be one of the problems with NFTs. And that's really coming to, to, um, the forefront is the energy usage of NFTs. Just like any cryptocurrency, the energy use is high. An average person, just average artist listing an NFT, is that NFT, when it sells, is going to be um, take about the energy of one person a house for a month, right? We you mentioned before Grimes had sold, she sold 303 versions of an NFT, and the, that the energy for that NFT transfer was about 32 years worth of one person's life energy usage right so there are places where you can buy these offsets so so that's another option where people can be selling fake um offsets where it's not going to uh, energy you know um programs to help you know bring down the energy of cryptocurrency um creation or transactions but instead going into somebody's just pocket and they're just saying hey i'm selling you know i'm selling you your energy um production offsets yeah and you know that's something that uh, a lot of artists by trade that just spend their time focusing on art and not necessarily uh learning contract law or dealing with the technological aspects of gas fees and and what that really means if someone comes along and says look, if you're hesitant about the environmental impact of this technology, then you can buy these offset things, which are just don't exist, you know, or mm -hmm. like exactly. That, and the they wouldn't necessarily know how to do the due stuff. diligence to chase that down. Mm -hmm. While we're on this, let's, uh, I came up with a few different possible scenarios for 
fraud and NFTs. And I just want to get your thoughts on whether or not it's possible or how likely it might be. Uh, so illicit traffickers of drugs or human traffickers or, you know, any other contraband uh, disguise a payment for illicit goods or services by buying an NFT from a specific individual at an inflated price. Possible. And I think the limiting thing here is would that purchase of that NFT hit the news in that the price was so high? You know, so $100,000 NFTs are still hitting news in certain places. So they would, you know, they would want to keep it fairly low. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, but it, you could. Unless they you know, are working with the artist who wants to get in the news, right? Yeah. You mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, okay. How about an NFT marketplace or publisher or creator hypes up their company or some other entity to attract investment in a non-existent or bogus product? that either crashes in value or unexpectedly disappears like an exit scheme. I think that was very likely. Okay. How about someone uses social engineering or other tactics to get access to someone's NFTs and takes possession of them like uh, SIM swapping? Yeah. And I would consider this, you know, the same as getting access to somebody's crypto wallet. Yeah. I think that would absolutely be something that's probably happening already. Okay, somebody offers NFTs for sale, pretending to be a famous artist or celebrity to scam people out of the purchase price. Yes, I think that that will, is already happening in some other ways for art. So yeah, of course it will. Okay, somebody produces counterfeit copies of known artists' NFTs and offers those for sale. Yes, I think that will. Mm -hmm. Uh, are there any other like kind of obvious scams you think might get uh, adapted to an NFT uh, context? I think we've already talked about the one, most of the ones that I can think of right of the way, but criminals are some of the most inventive people out there. So we'll definitely see, you know, new stuff. And again, like you said before, by the time this podcast comes out, there may be some brand new types of schemes already. Yeah, when we mentioned uh, how fast this stuff is moving, uh, by the time this actually gets edited and published, there will probably be several dozen more headlines, all of which uh, could have the potential to change the context of this conversation. That's just how it goes with the, the fast-moving technology. Are, are you aware of any actual like specific cases of, of fraud involving NFTs that have already occurred or been alleged? So the only things that I'm aware of are ones that where it doesn't seem like it's um, it seems like it's accidental fraud at the moment. But I'm I'm expecting that major news like within the next month or so, there'll be at least some major fraud news headline dealing with NFTs. I haven't seen a whole lot of chatter about the money laundering implications, but it just seems like with something that whose value is so speculative, it's so, you know, in a fast moving field where, I mean, even just tracing cryptocurrencies can be um, complicated enough. And um, maybe it will be easier to trade. Do you think it will be easier to trace NFTs since they are unique goods that can't be like subdivided or broken up into smaller portions like a cryptocurrency could? So, yes, I think the NFTs will be easy to trace, but then the money that's spent on them 
again, may not be because the NFT, when, you know, we talk about paying for it with an inflated place, uh, inflated amount of money to, to launder the money, then that user can just flip it at that point, right? And then resell it, hopefully, hopefully for the same amount. Maybe they're not selling it for the same amount, whichever, but um, we'd be able to trace that NFT kind of through through its space. It's the cash that ends up going into Ethereum and then through the NFT out to somebody else's bank. That's the part, that's the hard part. In looking a little bit forward, uh, just because right now it's still pretty fresh and people are really still trying to kind of wrap their heads around it. And the there's lots of free market forces at play here that are going to determine what ends up happening with these. But uh, from fraud examination standpoints, like, uh, can you talk through some of the challenges? You've talked a little bit about tracing the NFTs might not be hard, but the the funds associated with them. What about, um, let's say a fraud examiner is trying to establish whether or not somebody is living beyond their means and kind of trying to do an indirect uh, asset method of you know, tracing assets and everything or net worth um, and establishing what somebody's net worth might or might not be to see if there's, you know, any kind of uh, reason to suspect foul play. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So sorry. The other part of that being like, how might NFTs play into that? Like trying to identify whether somebody owns an NFT or whether it's valued um, appropriately or, or inappropriately. Yeah, that's a good question because again, the valuation of the NFTs is so fluid at this point. You know, we can you can definitely identify, you know, how much they bought their NFT. If you have somebody who's owns an NFT, you can track track back and see what they bought it for, and then see what if they're selling it, what they're flipping it for. And so that may explain, you know, quite a bit of the money, or maybe it doesn't. But um, I'm not sure beyond that how to answer that question. It seems like it might be kind of a, a a red flag of overvaluation if like, let's say you could go see when somebody purchased an NFT at an auction and see if like all of a sudden in the last minute, the price went up from 50,000 to 5 million in one bid, you know, right. like all of a sudden. Oh yeah, definitely. And you can see the bidding in. history in most of them as well. Right. So I would think that would be, you know, one kind of red flag, but I just envision, you know, people overinflating their assets or net worths in on like loan applications, so like financial institution fraud. Mm-hmm. But like how, you know, if I'm underwriting a, a loan and I look and this person says that uh part of their net worth is you you know, 5 million dollars worth of NFTs, how how in the world am I going to determine whether that's legitimate or not? I mean, maybe they thought it was worth five million when they bought them, but now they're not worth anything. I just—it seems like right. it's—it's gonna—it's gonna cause some complications. Absolutely, and I don't know that you know that's not something that if you try to list that as an asset on your loans. I mean, if you have five million dollar NFTs, you're gonna want to list that as an asset, but I don't know how anybody's going to treat it as far as that goes yet. If you have 5 million cryptocurrency, there's a little bit more history behind that specifically, but each NFT is its own. So the history behind it itself is always going to be short. Yeah. And 
it it also seems to me like uh you know when we're talking about claiming ownership of nfts as part of your net worth or as an asset mm-hmm. um it as far as i can tell you're the way that they're going to be taxed for buyers is going to be similar to you know if you were to buy some really high-end art and that's going to be like capital gains and so like if you if you shift some revenue that you got somewhere else into nft ownership it's a way to avoid paying taxes on it um and i have no idea i mean i know some people uh to even further avoid taxes will like register their ownership of pieces of art in tax-free jurisdictions or you know secrecy havens and so is are you going to be able to establish your ownership of an nft in a different jurisdiction where you know there's different tax implications and so could that become a vehicle for um you know just moving money around to avoid taxes and how are you going to tell whether that's all legitimate or whether is it tax avoidance or tax evasion uh, it seems like a, a lot of money, muddy water out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And that might even be what's going on now as to why these valuations are so high in some cases. Yeah, just, you know, a lot of people out there have a whole lot of money and a lot of those people generally don't like paying taxes uh, on that stuff. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, there could be advisors out there uh, that you know, may have previously run some Panama papers, kind of like asset management things for their clients that are now saying, hey, before, you know, people really get clued in on this NFT thing, you can move some money around and and really avoid some, some, uh, some tax hits. Absolutely. Yeah, that could, that could definitely be part of what's happening right now. Because again, it's such a gold rush and such huge, you know, numbers that people are seeing um pass through there uh and you know one thing i wonder about is like the parallels with cryptocurrencies so you know cryptocurrencies have been around for more or less a decade i mean i think the initial bitcoin paper was in what 2009 yeah the the white paper i think and then they launched later that year I mean, it's just just recently in the last year or two have regulations caught up to cryptocurrencies in terms of requiring cryptocurrency exchanges to follow know your customer protocols mm-hmm. or, you know, due diligence things and and keep records of their clients, you know, personal information mm-hmm. uh, to which makes it even possible to investigate some of the stuff. But um you know, I would in, anticipate a, a similar developmental curve or, or similar curve on the regulation for these things, and that it's probably going to stay kind of a wild, wild west for a little while. I agree. I mean, I think that the the fact that it's tied to cryptocurrency gives them a little bit of a head start, at least with the regulations on it. But I think that it is going to be wild west for a while. So. We've probably already kind of gone gone longer uh, than I should have, but uh, to kind of wrap this up a little bit, let's let's continue looking forward and think. You know, what's 
what's the deal with the NFTs? Like, is, is this just a fad? Is it a flash in the pan? Are, are people even going to be talking about NFTs in a year? So I don't think it's just a fad. I do not think it's going to go away. I think this is a new um, technology that's going to stay, if, if only for the provenance of art. Right. So some people now, is it going to stay this big and this much money going through? No, I don't think that that's sustainable. And so I think that right now, as the fads happening, you know, you're going to get some these huge, huge numbers. But even now, I mean, we're still pretty early in, but I think that things are going to kind of stabilize soon. And then there may be some sort of a crash where we're only, you know, certain NFTs are selling and that sort of thing. But I think that as a whole, this technology is going to continue and build and it is going to be something that's going to survive anything that, you know, happens right now. I tend to agree. Uh, I think that this will be a phenomenon that um, sticks around, but I think there are going to be a whole lot of people that lose a whole lot of money along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of fraud along the way. Like, First of all, we had all the headlines of how much, how amazing this is, how much money's going through. Then we'll go through the series of all the people getting defrauded out of things. That's the next series of headlines I think we're going to see. Is there anything else worth talking about or that I should have asked? I think the only thing um, extra that I would add for the case of fraud investigators is that when you start looking at devices now, if you get a chance to get a cease device or something like that, start looking for those the crypto wallets, I guess you're already looking for crypto, wall crypto wallets, but specifically the NFT ones like MetaMask. Thank you again, uh, Kirby Plessis, for joining us on ACFE's Fraud Talk. I can't wait for the next time I get a chance to ask you some questions. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to see what happens with NFTs. You can find more episodes of Fraud Talk on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. This is Mason Wilder signing off and thanks again for joining us.